Hello there, and welcome back to Chat Shit, Get Fit, Is It Bad For You? This is a series where we look at a wide range of things in the health and fitness industry, exploring the current scientific literature and our own thoughts to come to a pretty solid conclusion to whether or not something is indeed bad for you. This week is a bit of a controversial topic, and it's something most of you have probably consumed alcohol. Now, as we say in the podcast, we try to focus on the overall health, fitness, and performance side of things and steer away from a more social commentary style of analysis. While we do provide some anecdotal stuff like Tom discussing his cow tipping chaos, we do focus on the data and break it down, meaning that you will know what you need to know and what you do with that information is basically up to you. Things like how does alcohol impair recovery? Can you get away with a couple of beers in the evening and then hit the gym the next day? Uh, You know, these are some of the questions we are going to answer in today's episode. We also look at some recent controversy. Should professional athletes be banned from drinking alcohol? A question that will certainly ruffle a few feathers. So it'll be interesting to see what you guys think of our viewpoints on it. So yeah, buckle in and please remember, at certain points in this podcast, we will be merely having opinions on certain things. So don't get excited and start kicking off. It's okay to not agree on everything. Let's get into it. Good evening, Tom, on this fine, sweltering summer day yeah it's pretty hot today isn't it It, it's fucking it's Mm. it's more than hot mate um and what we are going to do obviously this is an audio Mm. podcast so you can't see this but currently me and tom are in summer mode uh well i'm more so me than than tom uh tom's wearing a sweatband i'm wearing a cap and a i'm wearing a brand new right we'll give it a context before i say this next statement last year if you hear this long you'll be aware that i had a floral lovely retro miami vice in the dead ground shirt and this year they have released a brand new one, which I'm currently wearing. Um, if you want to see eyes on this, we will be sharing content on our Instagram page. I'll probably put a video up showing me and Tom in some mode. But yeah, I'm wearing it. Mm. Big shout out to them. I've, I've heard the launch has gone really well. Speaking to Danny from In The Dead Ground, he said it's gone gone really well, this uh, retro summer launch. I was actually supposed to order the very shirt you're wearing, but now I feel like I can't. In fact, I was going to order that very shirt. Has you still got the old no, one for sale? I was going to... I was going to order that very shirt you're wearing to your birthday, to your tiki restaurant Hawaiian shirt thing birthday, and you've ruined it. You've ruined your birthday for me. So thank you for that, Dick. You've ruined your birthday for me. I've, I've ruined my birthday for you. Yeah, oh, you've ruined God, your birthday for me, shame. and I think that's span out. It is, but have you actually got? Have you got one? Because I've still got the other one. You know, the the, the light blue one that I wore last year. Joe, you know what I do have a very fancy wardrobe. I wish I could say that I owned certain shirts out of irony, but it's not. It was generally the fashion at the time. So I do have a couple of magnum these, these, these are high quality. They're nice and light. They're loose. They're ready to go. They're ready for the summer months. Um, and do you know what else is ready for the summer months, Tom? Pims. Pims, exactly. Alcohol, booze. Crack it open a cold one with the lads, as, um, as stereotypically said here in the, the UK. Although I must admit, we've recently had a massive influx of US listeners. So most of our audience is now from the United States. Um, so hello. Welcome to the podcast um if you don't understand some of the stuff we're saying it is what it is isn't it then that's, that's yeah that's not our problem there's nothing we can do yeah we're... that's your problem this is what happens when you leave the colonies you know <laughs> God. you lose out on all the benefits we've just offended our new audience space brilliant uh, anyway <laughs> look we're gonna um we're gonna tackle what is a controversial episode in alcohol of course it is you know it's it's close to many people's hearts you could say um and literally in some cases yeah in some cases yeah well yeah God's sake. And, uh, and at the core of this really is that there's a thing that I like to say is people love taking your advice until it directly affects them. 
Um, they'll be on board or something, but the moment it affects them 100% directly, uh, there'll, there'll be this sort of language of stop telling me what I can and can't do, etc. which we are going to come on to more later. There's a point I want to make, but um, I just want to make it clear though, what we're looking at is the data and seeing what happens in a more, in a health and fitness point of view, okay? How you react to this information is essentially on you. You know, we live in a society as we, uh, we as we often say, um, and we're not going to get too much into the social implications of it and the 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 more I don't know how to describe it the, I don't, <laughs> the, the, the ethical yeah, side of I don't things wanna, I don't, yeah, I don't want to go yeah. into too much of that because that's obviously out of our remit and that's a bit more of a deep serious topic that I don't feel like we should really go into we're going to look at it more from a you know basic health standpoint sports performance all those that sort of stuff okay in our saying our lane essentially I mean I want to say that we're going to come at this from like one unbiased point of view however you know conflict of interest saying that um Bill, we have, um, good, you know, partaken in a few drinks yeah. in our time. We don't fuck about. We have caused problems and, you know, we have uh, literally... What do you mean problems? It sounds a bit, sounds a bit you know, deep. We, we, I'm, just, I'm just saying we have partaken in a few drinks in our time and we just uh, leave imaginations to run wild from there. But no, in all serious, like, uh, you know, I am i don't really drink anymore. There isn't an actual, I've gone out of my way to not drink. It's just that I, I just don't really bother it anymore. I just don't enjoy it. But I'm not one of those people where I'm like, oh, I don't drink anymore because, you know, same reason as why seed oils are killing us, etc. I'm not doing it from like a moral, objectively moral point of view. It's just that I just don't like doing it anymore. However, every now and again for a social drink, I will, you know, have a pint of Guinness and a kebab. <laughs> I love that. A pint of Guinness and a kebab. Brilliant. We'll come on to our, uh, I suppose, our own habits. I mean, I don't really... I don't really drink during the week much, but on the weekend I probably have, especially when the weather's like this, I'll probably have a few beers, something like that. You know, I'm not really a... Yeah. You could... I mean, I don't really binge drink. I've been quite busy most weekends now, but if I do normally go out, it's more of a binge drinking situation as opposed to a casual drinker, um, which could be good or bad, depending on your interpretation of it. But what we're going to do first, guys, before we move on uh, to this punchy, controversial topic, is we're going to dive into, of course, the Instagram polls. So, as always, guys, if you're not on our Instagram, at chatshitgetfitpodcast, Jump on there. You'll be able to get involved with our weekly polls and obviously just see some chaos unfold uh, on a weekly basis. Bear in mind, I will just jump the shark and say I'm fully aware that many of our followers are either ex or currently serving military. <laughs> so I already know that these polls are going to be an absolute shit show when it comes to drinking yeah, culture. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, and I wouldn't expect any less. First question, which is something we're going to touch on later in the episode but i'm going to give you the results of this poll now um, i'm going to read a few of the, sort of the responses about that and then we'll discuss them later in the episode as well so i asked the question do you think high performing athletes so like professional footballers should be banned from drinking alcohol i mean there's no surprise here pretty much everybody said no there was, there was one person that said yes and i'm gonna i think their response was very interesting and I can see where they're coming from, and we'll get into that in a second. So okay. I asked people why. Obviously, I want to know why they had, had this thought, why they said yes or no. Obviously, most of them said no. Um, I'll read out a few. Because many athletes have drinks, so I can't see it a big deal as it's their choice to do it. You're going to hear a run of the theme here, a lot about choice, etc. Um, everything in moderation, surely. Freedom of choice, non-performance enhancing, so it doesn't need control. However, as a top-performing athlete, you'll likely understand the potential impact. So you may choose to refrain um, from having some. Also, from a professional standpoint, if you are consuming and it's having an impact, there should be recourse, which I think mm. which I think is fair. We'll come to it, but I think that's a, the fair thing. No one should be abusing alcohol, but everyone should be free to put what they want into their bodies. Okay. 
and some put because they have a life as well. Now, I want to quickly rewind back to that people should be free to put what they want in their bodies. Now, someone said, um, and this is someone who works in the NHS, okay, so they're in this environment. They're not just like black and shit as much, you could say. Influential sports people should not be associated with a substance that costs the NHS £1.7 billion per annum. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because... We won't get into it obviously too much, but I can see their point of view. Someone said you should be free to put whatever you want in your bodies, but when it's having a serious impact on a large scale, it makes it a bit more of a tricky conversation, doesn't it? And I get what they mean about influential mm. sports people. If you're seeing, you know, we're going to come on to Jack Grealish, for example, who's been in the news, which we are going to touch on. People like them smashing loads. Oh, of, what the fuck has he done there? Well, smashing loads of beers on holiday, and you've got young youngsters looking at that. Is that potentially? Mm sending a message that's not ideal that in long term could be contributing to this 1.7 billion per annum cost to the nhs hmm. which you already know is severely struggling i can see there would be quite a few polarizing views on both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. there yeah and it's mm. I, I, we won't go into it that much because it is a bit more of a social yeah. this will turn into a social commentary podcast and we're not a social commentary podcast so um make of that what you will we've given you two points there i can understand both sides of it there but i do totally get the being against the argument of oh we should be able to put whatever we want into our bodies and stuff so if i was to quickly just touch on it if i could take liberties me personally i would i I, I believe people should have autonomy and freedom but anyone that does like have a spotlight on them i think they should be you know somewhat responsible Mm. i say this all the time about you know influencers etc especially fit pros you know where you have like a large platform where it is monkey see monkey do or you're inspiring young people etc i think there is some duty there to be a bit responsible and what we do behind closed doors make sure it's fucking well behind closed doors yeah. you know not that i'm encouraging that but saying that as much as i'm saying oh people should be autonomous and be able to kind of like have freedom to do whatever i would have the ump if let's just say the night before a massive, let's just say, World Cup. Let's just say, and uh, do you know what? I was going to say, oh, it never happened. But you know what happened with the Euros? Completely different story. But let's just say England got through to the finals of the World Cup and we lost. And I found out afterwards, oh, our, our captain, you know, was on the piss the night before the game. Yeah. I mean, like seriously heavy. I, I reckon I'll change my opinion pretty rapid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Once again, people won't, people won't be that bothered until it directly affects them. Uh, when it's affected their love and that would the love me. of their team uh, <laughs> losing, yeah, for sure. I also asked on this poll. I said, "Do you often exercise the day after an evening slash day of drinking?" And I specified what I meant. I said, "Often equals three plus days a week," and I said, "Drinking mm. equals one or more." So that uh, that means if you had a beer mm. in the evening, do you then drink the next day after a beer in the evening? Okay. Uh, what do you mm. think, Tom? What do you think the results were for that? They're quite interesting. <laughs> Bear in mind uh, what I said earlier about our military followers, etc. I would say quite a few. Quite a few. Um, the percentage. Joe, you know I'm truly stumped because I want to say like the vast majority. It's not the vast majority. People answering those polls. It's not the vast majority. No? No, you'd be surprised. Me. A lot of our, I mean, we do have a lot of military people on our Instagram, but there is quite a varied. We do have health conscious people though. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Um, well, I'll put you out of misery, Tom. <laughs> the duality of man. Put you out of misery. 50 50. It was. Oh, right, that's understandable. As I said, you know, we've got a lot of military listeners, but we've also got more health conscious You've got individuals. You've to think, though, I, I specified only one drink. It's not uncommon for people in the UK to have a beer or a glass Come of wine in the glass of wine or yeah, beer. exactly. Or a casket, yeah. And we are going to touch on if that small amount actually has an impact. We are going to touch on that, so don't worry. But yeah, that's quite a common thing for people to do. 
have a beer and then you know the next day they'll carry on like normal because it's not incapacitated by a hangover um, as such after one beer unless that's you maybe maybe you are after one beer so we'll move on Tom to the bulk of episode we'll start really I suppose with what is alcohol uh, and if you actually look up the dictionary definition it is uh, it's terrifying um, I'll read it out for you it's a colorless volatile flammable liquid which are produced by the natural fermentation of sugars and is the intoxicating constituent of wine beer spirits and other drinks and is also used as an industrial solvent and as fuel so <laughs> also known as the good stuff also known as the good stuff. yes i mean reading that it sounds um unpleasant uh to put it put it lightly uh <laughs> i mean it is a substance at the end of the day yeah. like you know it is a toxin this <laughs> i think most people are familiar with what alcohol is like forgetting that mm. that definition um it's something that's deeply ingrained in our society it gives you a bit of a buzz if you have too much uh well no it gives you a bit of a buzz if you have a little bit if you have too much you end up on the floor which is uh something that me and tom have uh both experienced in our years yeah. on this planet mm. and most people do know it's not a surprise that too much can be detrimental to your health that should not really come as a surprise to anybody so I suppose the question is, if I, you know, I said too much can be detrimental. We know this. So why do we keep drinking more? Well, as I said, we're not going to go down that social commentary rabbit hole. Um, we're going to look at it from a health, more of a basic health and sports performance, athletic context. Um, mm. And as you know, always, always remember going forward, the, the you know the poison is in the dose, um, and in this case, it is literally poison. So um, yeah, just say like general health as well, because we have got like a, a whopping Lancet paper. On um, yeah, like all cause more. Well, we're going to go into it right now, Tom. We're going to go into it right now. Mm. Uh, we're going to start with that paper Excellent. because, as you said, it is an absolute whopper. And it's a research paper from 2018. And it looked at, well, I was reading the title, really, it makes it more, more obvious, really. Risk thresholds for alcohol consumption combined analysis of individual participant data for 599,912 current drinkers in 83 prospective studies. So, fucking hell, what a whopper. Just to clarify that 599,912, you know, that wasn't all in one big pub. <laughs> yeah, that was spread out. This yeah. wasn't just one big massive sesh. Just an enormous pub, know. just absolutely bouncing with drinkers, surrounded yeah. by scientists. That is one. That is 0.5% of the UK every Friday evening. Yeah, that'd be carnage, wouldn't it? Which in hindsight isn't a lot. But um, this paper, basically, they assessed alcohol consumption in relation to all-cause mortality, uh, mortality, I should say, not mortality, whatever I said, uh, total cardiovascular disease, and then several other cardiovascular disease subtypes. And just a really important context to note on this, this was done in high-income countries. Okay, so you're looking yeah. at UK, US, you know, United States, these sort of places, okay, it's not so much poor countries if you try and straw man us in that regard. Yeah, that um, that matters because, you know, when we consider like different incomes, it does affect socioeconomic status, which then it can also affect your health outcomes. So you know, people that have a low socioeconomic status or have like a low income tend to be have more a, a better chance of having poor health, so to speak. You know, so it does matter that it was done in high, you know, income. And uh, we 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 say this quite often about that. And I want I want to just touch on a reason why this could be people making poor choices because. These people who are at a lower socioeconomic status, they are tend they do tend to be more stressed because they are dealing with a lot of problems, you know, in, in their life because of mm. you know, where we are. And we know that stress can lead to people making bad decisions. Okay, when you're stressed, it's very hard to make a logical decision, and that is why they potentially go for these less than ideal food and drink choices, so to speak. Or you know, mm. it might be a coping mechanism to deal with the stress. So that is another that is a, re- a potential reason why. Okay, because I know we say it quite a lot, but that that could be it. Uh, and essentially on this paper, what was spat out to us was that the lowest risk 
was identified at 100 grams per week, um, essentially suggesting lower limits of alcohol consumption that are recommended in most guidelines. Now, Tom, I know you wanted to touch on this gram thing, didn't you? Yeah, because when I kind of first read this paper, I thought it just meant, oh, 100 grams as in if we were to translate into milliliters. So let's just estimate it. Fifth of a pint. To just like <laughs> roughly 100 milliliters. I was thinking, that's, I it. Well, that's fucking nothing. Yeah. Actually, it's the context. They're not just talking about the actual the actual drink itself, but the actual alcohol content. So actually I could have a, you know, I could have like your average pint of Guinness, but that might only have eight grams of alcohol in it. So do you see what I mean? Just because we're saying 100 grams of alcohol per week doesn't mean that we're saying, oh, that's just like 100 milliliters per week. No, that's the amount of alcohol content. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. I mean, uh, so I mean, in the... Obviously, we've got a lot more American listeners now, so that's going to be a lot harder for them to translate. I don't think they do units out there, do they? I can I'm, say not I'm not too sure. Not really sure, yeah. I mean, I hope they do because it'd be a lot easier for them to kind of translate. But in the UK, on the all of our so on the back of our alcohol, we have units. So, for example, a pint of Guinness would be two point three units. Each unit is roughly like eight grams of alcohol itself. So, you know, if you're having a pint of Guinness. Sorry, that's going to be like just over like yeah, just over sixteen grams of alcohol. Yeah, I mean, if I give you some more context as well from a USA point, because I do have some some information on, it, especially from this paper, was that the lowest risk was identified at hundred grams per week. For context, in the USA, the upper limit, the upper limit guideline is one hundred and ninety six grams per week, so it's nearly double that. Yeah, um, and if you just to put that into more context, uh, one hundred ninety six grams per week is about eleven standard UK glasses of wine. Um, or pints mm. of beer per week. Okay, that puts it into concert, which isn't a mass I'm, I'm, amount. I mean, the good news is, is that, and to be honest with you, like uh, <laughs> we've been kind of told this for years now, you know, that like it's okay to have like a glass of wine every evening. Do you know what I mean? And to be honest with you, it does kind of check out in a way because chances are, if you, now it does depend on the size of the glass. If you're one of those people where you've gone and bought like a novelty size wine glass that can fit over your head, you know, we've seen the memes, you know, oh, we've just had one glass of wine this evening. It's like the size of a fucking, you know, a barrel. Yeah. You know, that's a different story. If, we're, if we've been sensible here, which is a weird thing I never thought I'd say on this podcast, if we've been sensible, yeah, like a glass of wine every night, not that, I'd, not that I'd encourage it, but as long as it's below 100 grams on a weekly basis, chances are you're going to kind of be avoiding the worst of the, you know, adverse health effects yeah i just want to i just want to add something as well that's really important to note is that when i said 196 grams for upper limit in the usa that was for men 98 grams mm-hmm. is for women okay because obviously you have to remember it's different body sizes which it does affect how much alcohol takes uh, will make a, a longer lasting effect okay um, but in the uk which is interesting once again it just highlights the usa like to go you know they like to go big don't they is that we are actually half of that so we are probably around that 100 grams as our upper limit recommendation when you look at the actual guidelines mm. of it, okay. So uh, the question you're probably asking yourself at this point is how much are you honestly consuming per week? Because we know that when people go out on a weekend, for example, they go hard. Um, yeah. And we'll come on to it, but if you think of 11 pints, which is double the lowest risk thing, that's not unachievable yeah. for most people. Plus, even if they only have like five pints, yeah. they then have spirits and shots, which is, ev- which, yeah. which is obviously pretty much all alcohol most of it so it's uh, it's a lot more grams of alcohol than a beer for example obviously this paper had some limitations as do most research papers uh, the most obvious thing was you know being self-reported alcohol data is prone to bias um, so we got to kind of take that into consideration but 
with a paper of that size as well, it's going to be very hard to get <laughs> very strict uh, controls uh, in place. We have spoken before, haven't we? When you do kind of like self-reported surveys, there are going to be a lot of times where actually people answer the way they think they should be answered. Yes, yeah. Rather than actually being 100% honest. I'm not saying that's for everyone, but it does interfere with the data. We found that with, uh, there was one paper, I can't, I cannot remember off the top of my head, but we did speak about it in a episode 50 years ago, you know, where we spoke about how when people was asked about their healthy eating choices, a lot of them were kind of just answering how they thought they should be eating rather than how they actually did eat. Well, Tom, we make jokes about it on our um, on our Instagram polls, don't we? When we do the polls, we always say that sometimes people probably answer how they think we want to hear them answer because they have heard oh, yeah, us talk 100%. and they know where our bias lies. So, yeah, uh, but that's true. Mm. So, you have to take, obviously this was a large paper, so that bias does get diminished because you can see more of a larger trend, for example. But that hundred grams, potentially, if everyone underdosed their alcohol intake by fifty grams per week, then mm. that can make quite a big difference. So. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'll read the conclusion anyway. Uh, just to you know, tell you what that all that basically all that said was in conclusion. Our study shows that among current drinkers, the threshold for lowest risk of all-cause mortality was about 100 grams per week. For cardiovascular disease subtypes other than myocardial infarction, there was no clear thresholds below which lower alcohol consumption stopped being associated with a lower risk of disease. Uh, that's basically saying if you keep lowering your intake, you're lowering your risk. Is essentially so apart yeah. from that one type um, of cardiovascular disease. Um, so this data supports the adoption of lower limits of alcohol consumption than are recommended in most current guidelines. Maybe you've got anything to add on that? No, I mean, it's a nice little guideline there to basically just limit it to, uh, yeah, uh, preferably less than 100 grams per week of alcohol. But it is important to understand that it's the, the grams of the, the, it's the actual alcohol itself. So you know, don't go measure out 100 grams of, yeah, like, I don't know, vodka, it's not the case, you know, it's just for the actual alcohol content, the ethanol itself. Uh, there are ways you can translate your preferred drinks, like to see how much alcohol content they actually have. Um, I just can't remember what the website's called. It'll be in the show notes <laughs> by the time this podcast airs, hopefully. Right, what we'll do now is we'll move on to the big one, which is recovery. So recovering after alcohol. Now, I think we'll start, before we get into that, we'll start with a bit of anecdotal, uh, we'll start anecdotally speaking, really, sort of our, our effects, how alcohol has affected our ability to recover. So basically, if you have a couple, how can we? How do we perform? If we've been on a big session, how do we perform? Um, I think I'll probably start by saying that most people could probably resonate with this. If you have a big session and you're hungover the next day, the last thing you're going to want to do is start throwing around some barbells, start thrashing yourself on a salt bike, go for a long run. You're probably going to be on the sofa all day. Now, that's not a big session. I think you can agree, Tom, don't you? You just feel like deaf, don't you? It just feels so weird to be, you know, using that keyword session on this podcast, yeah, know, not right. related to, you know, like a training session, yeah, tra- yeah. you know, a, a, a British session, <laughs> which is a whole new meaning. Um, yeah, I mean, me... Bear in mind, we're speaking pure anecdote at this point. But yeah, I agree. The last thing I want to fucking do after I've been drinking alcohol the night before is going out and, uh, yeah, training. But the thing is, I don't get me wrong, the alcohol itself is obviously a key factor. But I think it's the other things that go hand in hand with that. And it's kind of like what you said here as well, like things like, you know, smashing lots of 
I want to say unhealthy food, um, but also mm. things like lack of sleep as well. Alcohol can disturb your sleep. And, you know, bear in mind, I'm going off my own anecdotal experience. When I have gone out drinking, I have not had a good night's sleep if I have slept at all. The last thing I've wanted to do is train. But when I when there have been instances where I have gone and trained after drinking, it's it's not good. I don't feel good. No. Everything's yeah. high. The RP is really high. My performance is shit. I get fatigued easily and yeah, I just cannot concentrate or enjoy the session. It, it depends on the amount because I could have like a few beers. I mean, I could have like four or five beers. I mean, by beers, I mean like a small bottle or a can, not like a pint. Um, and I'd be all right the next day. I'll be, I could probably train the next day, not really initially. I don't really notice it. Uh, but it's when I start to actually go to session territory, as, we are, as we're calling it, that's yeah. when the next day I'm kind of like, and that, that's, and even then, if I am having a drink, even like a few beers, I normally have it. So I know I've got rest day the next day. Because yeah. I'd rather just not have that that impact really hit. Obviously, we're going to go into what the data says, but I just don't want to take that risk on yeah. impacting my training. So if I'm going to have a few beers, well, you know what? I'll plan it so it's going to be when I've got rest day the next day. It's just more stress to try and recover from. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's not really worth it. I mean, we've had some... Mm. I'm trying to think of a time when I've... Yeah, I mean, there's been many... Anecdotes, right, let's, let's really dig deep. We mentioned mm. military earlier. Obviously, I was in the, in the yeah. army. Um, and there's been there's been a few times where I've um, had a big sesh and I you know, had to perform high intense... Your mile and a half run. <laughs> yeah, I had to perform some interesting <laughs> PT sessions. Oh, when you're conducting the sessions. Jesus. Not, no, not when I'm conducting the sessions. I'm, ah, profe- I'm a no, true professional, Tom. Listen, you're out of the army now and you could admit it. No, no. You could admit it was in the top flap of your Bergen for real. I was a true professional, mate. True professional. <laughs> actually, you all know what was in your rocket pouches. Oh, say this, mate, actually. Speaking of... Uh, actually, oh, um, God, it's real. No, no, I'm saying speaking of like uh, me delivering PT in the army... The last Christmas sort of week I had before I uh, before I left, they uh, we obviously if people are unaware in the army have something called silly week. It's basically just a week of was it the Christmas run was it? Yeah, it's just Christmas costume. chaos. But we had our Christmas run this year was in- incredible. It was logs out. There was things wrapped up as presents. You had to like take carry awkward carries and stuff. But this is to show you the level of alcohol consumption that can you know there's a culture in the army it's being killed a little bit but there is a thing there was people running around carrying logs sipping on cans of fosters <laughs> people running around with kit dressed up as well they were dressed up in all sorts of mad shit drinking cans of like beer and i was just pissed but like, before we set off i was like you lads on this run are you they're like yeah yeah let me just, let me just neck this beer and i'm like fucking <laughs> hell like it was and oh actually I'm, I'm going off on a fucking tangent here, but where the guy there, um, he was being posted soon. So he had a leave and do the day before and he's a PTI. So he was delivering the session and I was fucking in stitches. He was behind the logs. He wasn't even carrying kit, but he was so hungover that all I, I was running. I was like, lads, where's your, like, where's your PTI? And I just see this guy, Brownie at the back, just like in absolute clip. I've never seen someone in such bad state. I was like, what are you doing? He goes, I can't do it. I can't get, I can't go anymore. I've got to stop. I've got to go. And he was supposed to be fucking safety. <laughs> and he was just hung over to fuck. Um, and he had to go to bed. So. See, this is the, this is the news the BBC won't give you. Yeah, I'm literally when it comes outing to the, the armies. armies. I'm outing the army's yeah. drinking culture now, aren't I? Yeah. But um, <laughs> that's not my problem out now, aren't I? It doesn't really matter. But uh, yeah, so that was a prime example of if you are hungover to fuck, you cannot even walk or jog behind something without being in shit state. And there was people even drinking on the session and doing just fine. So what is it? The, bo- the body adapts. <laughs> yeah, the body adapts. Weird the body adapts, yeah, Phil. Uh, but I have, I have done sessions green pt style session so like more army style physical training hungover and it yeah. was an interesting experience probably what mm. i'll say 
Um, it's not very pleasant. It's the worst thing. I find the worst thing actually, Tom, training the next day. If you've got a headache, you know, you've got like a really bad headache from drinking. Yeah, that's horrible. Because every movement you make, every impact you make, your head just pounds. Hurts. And it's just, oh, it's just absolutely unbearable. And can't have headphones and listen to music. No, no, it's, exactly, yeah. It doesn't work for me. I mean, look, others might be fine, but we're just talking anecdotally still at this point. For me, it's not something I enjoy. I'd rather just take the day off. Yeah, it's, it's not for I'd me. I'd rather just not get into that state in the first place, to be honest with you. But that's the 34-year-old of me talking. Yeah, the old. 25-year-old. The old man with kids speaking there. Exactly. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Cool. One cider now and I'm gone. <laughs> I'm man down. Oh, God. Covered in talcum powder. <laughs> not back in the day where I could have two ciders mm. and then, uh, yeah, then pass out. You'll be drinking on my birthday, though, won't you? Bottomless brunch. Okay, can, can vegans drink alcohol? What do you mean, can vegans drink? Well, how have you twisted this under it? What are you on about? I don't know. I just thought, you know. Yeah, most, most alcohol is vegan. I just vegan. thought there'd be something ethical about it. No, there, is some, there is some alcohol which is not vegan. I know, but it's just morally unethical, isn't it, because of what it leads to? What do you mean, morally unethical? Well, is what it leads to? Getting drunk and then, you know, going and doing like cow tipping and stuff like that. Cow tipping? Morally unethical Where for vegans. Where does this come from? When have you ever done cow, cow tipping? tipping? I don't know. I'm just assuming I might have when I was drunk. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, I'm actually looking forward to that, Tom. People who are listening, uh, once, another, another reason to go uh, list, follow us on Instagram is that I am sure there will be some pictures and some videos from me and Tom tearing it up at some fucking random bottomless brunch yeah. Hawaiian bar in London in a few weeks' time. And then cow tipping. And Maybe not that. We'll, we'll leave that bit out, but uh, <laughs> maybe not that. Yeah, but no, that'll be a, oh, it should be good. That'll be a good good weekend. Mm. And I will not be training the next day. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, I was going to, yeah, I was going to suggest that. <laughs> Yeah, it's still wad, wad the next day, birthday wad. Right, we'll move on. We'll move on to some data, uh, Tom. So we we get the, we got the anecdotes out of the way, of course, which are they're, they're yeah. strong anecdotes. I would say. I mean, on a pyramid of evidence, I'd probably say they're um they're up there with the strong the strong anecdotes. Mm. Uh, we'll look at some data. So we you know we've got we've got evidence now. It's pretty well known that alcohol been shown to negatively impact things like protein synthesis, sleep quality, you know, a number of key hormones. So that's all for all sorts of things. Uh, yeah. The question is though. By how much is our tipple of choice undermining, you know, our, our fitness goals? Basically, so how much mm. how much do we need to have to make a big difference? So, um, if we look at some things on performance, then we've got a paper here from 2020, uh, and this was influence of daily beer or ethanol consumption. I mean, I don't know who's drinking straight ethanol consumption on physical fitness <laughs> in response to a high intensity interval training program. Uh, it's called the Beer Hit Study. And yeah, that is literally in the title, the Beer Hit yeah. Study, which is quite interesting. That did make me giggle. Yeah, yeah I did like that. This study actually did the round. I don't know if you remember, Tom, but this study actually did the rounds at the time. Um, and people were using it as a way of saying, you know what, drink up, boys. It's time to hit the gym. You know, we can smash a cold run, then do some bicep curls. I mean, I've got to say that the title probably helped with that. I mean, call it the Beer Hit Study. You know, it's quite catchy, isn't it? And it, it's not that simple, but people obviously as in the society people latch onto things and they run with it and conclusions get wild and it causes chaos but basically what this paper is saying or suggesting i'll say is that one drink per day for females and two drinks per day for males does not appear to impair cardiorespiratory adaptations in circuit style training yeah okay so you could you could drink a cold of beers to be fine it's basically what is what it's saying um the only the only shitter I found with this evidence really uh, on this study is that it doesn't provide strong evidence either way related to strength or power outcomes. Yeah. It seems justifiable to conclude that the alcohol intake within that range, so the one or two, is probably not going to impact those either. But we have to make note that that study does not look at those outcomes. Yeah. But I mean, it does seem to suggest that as long as we're drinking in moderation, 
so what's like one a day for females two for males you know it's it's not something that's going to make a big noticeable detrimental effect on our recovery um i'll tell you what i bill i i was looking at other papers on this which i forgot to tell you about sorry about that uh, i did find one which was where they actually studied it on rats so straight away i kind of no my sorry so i've been that but i did find one this was by par and co and this is alcohol ingestion impairs maximal post-exercise rates of myofibular protein synthesis following a single belt of concurrent training now i'm going to read you the conclusion to this i'm going to get straight to the meat and buttons but i'm going to kind of mention some caveats to it and the results are basically duh, 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 duh. we provide novel data demonstrating that alcohol consumption reduces rates of muscle protein synthesis following a bout of concurrent exercise even when co-ingested with protein we conclude that alcohol ingestion suppresses the anabolic response in skeletal muscle and may therefore impair recovery and adaptation to training and or subsequent performance but the whole point of this study was they was trying to kind of see how it would react with they were trying to basically replicate binge drinking within like an athletic community yeah okay sure so with this the alcohol per, per kg of body weight the alcohol is 1.5 grams it's quite, you know yeah it's quite which bit, is yeah. quite a lot I, i'm talking lot, like it's yeah. like every yeah evening i don't know like fucking six beers i'm pulling that number out of my ass but it was quite a lot on like a consistent basis it was quite a lot so when we compare it to what the study we were just previously mentioning it seems that well the poison's in the dose here when it mm. comes to adapting to training and recovery so it seems like yeah as long as we're kind of like being sensible and not going overboard with our alcohol intake eh, it's not a massive noticeable difference in a negative way at least however if we are going overboard and we are in that kind of binge drinking culture yeah, it does look like it's going to make some form of negative difference here. Do you want to say hi, Fern? Fern's joined the chat and Tom, mate, she's kicking off. She said, your voice keeps changing to a chipmunk and video freezing. Just want to give oh, her God, give sorry, Fern. Yeah, I've, uh, my Wi-Fi's not working, so I'm on 4G. Yeah, he's hotspot. He's hotspotting this shit. That's how you know, we're making sure we get the good content out. I should have just lied and just said I'm I'm, I'm just drinking. That's not actually a glitch. That is generally <laughs> yes. my voice. Yeah. You see, you're absolutely steaming. I've, please, God don't let it record like this <laughs> oh, no, right. uh, just to sort of add on to your point there Tom about you know as long as the poison the dose as long as we have a few but the, the only issue I have is that you know from an anecdotal viewpoint in the UK a few beers doesn't tend to exist does it anyone who the says UK. they're going for a few beers means they're going on a session yeah. it's basically yeah not in the UK it's basically what it means, it means so um, I mean people like to have a couple of beers in the evening you know if they've got family and stuff but most people mm. will uh We'll go overboard. So, yeah. If we look onto one of our polls as well, Tom, we had a question that referred to previous day alcohol ingestion and its effects. Yeah. So, how much does it mm. impact the next day, basically? Um, we've actually got a 2022 paper. So, it's only small, but it's obviously, you know, bang up to date. Um, and obviously, this is going to, mm. this is, of course, going to depend on the severity of your hangover because uh, paper did look at, you know, the, the effects of a hangover. So, if you're hungover yeah. to fuck, for example, like we spoke about anecdotally and at the start, you're probably going to be on the sofa smashing less than ideal food watching Netflix. Um, if you're in that situation, you're probably very hungover. But when they say hungover in this study, they basically just mean any really like small amount. It's basically how you feel after drinking. It's basically what they said. They've been very scientific with it. So this paper then, they had subjects either smash some alcohol or they had a placebo. And now this placebo, it had some vodka flavoring around the sort of the rim of the cup or glass. Basically a non-alcoholic drink. What they basically found was the amount given, so the amount of alcohol these subjects were actually given, it led to an average peak blood alcohol concentration 
um, that would be considered a little too high to legally operate a vehicle. Okay, so the amount <laughs> they're given, you'd be over the limit, <laughs> right? It's basically what this study said. It's, it's a really nice way to put it, isn't it? A little I, I, too I, I high do, to do, legally yeah. operate a vehicle. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be recommending people to go and drive like You're a bulldozer afterwards anyway. Yeah, or a tractor. I know, right? You know. Yeah. So how many beers would that be then? How many beers is over the limit? Like three? Two or three? Uh, it, uh, it depends on the vehicle on the we're the driving. Beer, I, I mean, I reckon no, I, I could... Between the vehicle we're driving... Uh, <laughs> no, it depends <laughs> on the beer, did it? I, could rec- I reckon I could uh, drive the end of my cul-de-sac no, after I'm a couple. Asking, I'm not asking how much you could personally drink before you could drive. I, what about the legal I don't limits? Think I, could, uh, I don't think I could operate an Arctic lorry. Oh my God. I mean, I'll give it a go... But, uh, yeah, I don't reckon I'd be any good at it. I don't know about the technical stuff, like reverse parking and all that. Apart from Tom's clear issues when it comes to drink driving, um, I mean, <laughs> the amount to go over to be over the limit is obviously going to depend on the strength of the beer. But if we just say two or three, which is quite a common thing for people to drink in the evening, um, the alcohol consumed in this paper did not lead to any, you know, didn't lead to mm. any significant impact on the performance metric tested. And those performance metrics for context were the vertical jump, isometric mid-thigh pull, and the isokinetic bicep curl performance. Mm. Okay, so they were the things tested and they didn't notice a difference really after they had a few beers in the evening. Just to add to that as well, joking aside, um, if you do drink drive, you're a cunt. It's hard to argue with that, isn't it? Yeah. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> so those of you who answered the poll that suggest you do drink, you know, maybe a few beers in the evening and then you trade the next day, according to this paper, if you are doing a vertical jump, an isometric mid-thigh pull, or an isokinetic bicep curl, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Obviously, we I mean, can- <laughs> you know, two, two of those, you know, is actually kind of related to the military, you know? Yeah. When we think about like the vertical jump and the isometric mid-fire pull, you know, deadlifts pretty much. Even like when they eventually start adding in pull-ups, which might be a thing, you know, the isokinetic bicep curl performance as well. All these things that, you know, are in a lot of, because uh, even in the US, I think they've done something similar where they've now got like a deadlift with a trap bar yeah, in, their, uh, in, in, in their fitness test, I think from what I've seen and heard from people who are not reliable. Uh, so yeah, you're going to be okay if you do uh, have a bit of Dutch courage the evening before. Okay, we'll now move on to dehydration because this is obviously something oh. that is commonly associated with alcohol consumption. Um, and this is a big deal because the data does suggest that if you are as little as 2% dehydrated this does have a notable impact on your performance um, and physical activities so it's obviously important that we stay hydrated for not only obviously the, the obvious reasons but for performance as well so the main you know narrative of this is that alcohol causes dehydration right well if this makes sense tom uh the beer you know yeah. whatever you have isn't technically an inherent dehydration so like the, the beer itself like for example if you had non-alcoholic beer it's not mm. going to dehydrate you but if you have a normal beer, you will. You know, there's something that happens, and that's because the actual alcohol in the beer, the normal beer, is a diuretic, mm. which is something we spoke about on the caffeine episode. Yeah, I was just going to suggest that. Basically, mm. makes you piss more. Is essentially what that does. And there's a lot of talk about it. When I was actually looking into the mechanics, you know, behind this, apart from the the hormone interference which causes you to pee more with the direct effect. But um, yeah. the questions being asked is people are saying, why does it make? Why does beer seem to make people piss so much more? Because if you have coffee or caffeine. Mm. It doesn't seem to be as dramatic as when you have beer. Yeah. Even though it has the same effect on the hormone thing. So I mean, 
we have had research in regards to caffeine like we had research where coffee drinks got like a net hydration effect so even though it is technically a diuretic you still get like a net hydration effect so possibly the same with alcohol i don't know but yeah anecdotally it does make me piss like a racehorse there is actually some research which showed beer is hydrating um, mm. I mean, it's not like overwhelming, but there is actually data saying that. And that could be for that same reason, Tom, that because beer, obviously, you know, there is, there is liquid. It's not just, you yeah. know, it's not, it's not just alcohol. There's other stuff in it. You know, with like research, though, how like uh, every now and again, you'll get like the conspiracy nuts that say, oh, there's a conf- well, I don't want to say conspiracy nuts because sometimes it generally is a conflict of interest. But when you get people say, oh, no, this is sponsored by big sugar yeah. or this is sponsored by big artificial sweetener. I mean, do you think... Dallas hydration study because pos- has possibly been you know um, I don't know funded by Big Smirnoff Big Stella or Big Stella <laughs> Big Stella Big yeah. Stella yeah God. There, there you go that shows you the complete our opposing viewpoints there I went for you know Smirnoff and you went for Stella yeah I don't actually drink Stella just the, FYI the, if anyone the personality test I'm a more what do I describe myself as I'm more of a hippie craft beer type of person these days or Guinness I actually like Guinness Guinness is another good one I go for no I could definitely see you as a craft man yeah of course mm, nice copy. yeah but I just love a good bit of artwork mate if, if there's a nice bit of artwork and a can I'm all over it it's getting in my basket it was back in the day I was just you know siphoning cherry diesel of course you were fuck's sake <laughs> was it black cherry diesel because that actually has some uh, that has some good recovery properties for doms <laughs> I mean technically it is ethanol like it's got ethanol in it hasn't it <laughs> oh god right my own conclusion on all this so there's obviously that data there we're talking about dehydration is people who just think if you drink a beer you're going to be dehydrated I don't think that's the case the issue I find that happens is when people go on a big night out yeah let's say you and me Tom on a big session yeah this is for men I'm talking about right you start the beers you have a few pints you sink a few you then break the seal next thing you know you're at the toilet every five minutes having a piss yeah because you've broken that seal and not only that but the amount of activity we might be doing as well you know which is caused us to lose a lot of fluid through sweat, etc. Bring the cows back in again, are we? No, no, no. I was, was going to be normal. I was going to talk about, you know, when we used to go to raves, etc. That, that sounds raves, even worse. Yeah, ra- we, to, we never went to raves. I was called raves. We were like fucking... We went to a rave once. We, were, yeah, we went to a, a, a gig. Before, before you got carted off in an ambulance. Oh, God, that's... Yeah, let's not talk about that story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All I'm saying we'll is... save I'm, that one. All I'm saying is I've got a scar on my head. Um, that's what I'm saying. I'd rather just leave that up to the imagination. I'm a different man now, Tom. We'll, uh, we'll move this Yeah, far. exactly. Because you suffered brain damage. You had no choice. Brain damage, yeah. <laughs> Making a grade A podcast. Is, that's what, that's, what, that's what the, uh, the resulting of that. Anyway, um, so back to this, uh, this this journey I was taking you on. So you broke the seal. You, you know, you're pissing every five minutes. But then what happens is you get bored of beers, don't you? The taste are big. It's a bit shit. You want some of it easier to drink. So you go to mixers. You get your Disarado and Cokes, your vodka, Cokes, whatever you fucking choose to drink. But the problem is it's now less liquid because a mixer is normally like a tiny little gas compared to a big pint of liquid, right? But you're still pissing loads. Your pissing hasn't changed. You're still expending quite a bit of liquid. Um, then you start doing shots, even less liquid, but that's still alcohol, so that's still making you piss loads. Then you start to make poor food choices when you leave the leave the drinking. You start buying kebabs, big salty kebabs, salty as dick, all over the place. And then what happens, Tom? You here wake it, up. Here it comes, Bill. Here it comes. You wake here up the next comes, morning. My favourite line. <laughs> And your mouth's like a rusty trombone buried in the desert. <laughs> Mate, you know, when I first read that, I love that. I was sent into overdrive because a rusty trombone is yeah, yeah, I know, means I know. something else to some yes, it people. Does. Yeah, it does. That, mate, that's literally why I was thinking. I thought, I said, I've got a fucking mm. bonus. FYI, guys, we don't like script every joke in the podcast. This is just like, 
like just to make it clear like this is i mean ironically apparently the mouth you know mouth like a rusty trombone it is made from the same kind of skin tissue isn't it the lips are like an anus apparently yeah oh god here we go right yeah yeah but if you are curious what a rusty trombone is urban dictionary that shit i'm sure it will come up but yeah you get you get you get the point after all of what i've just said you wake up in the morning you're very thirsty very very thirsty because you've done all that stuff so when people automatically go off drinking i was dehydrated it's like well it's probably because you had excessive amounts of alcohol or pissing loads and you decided to eat the saltiest amount of food in the world because when you buy food after a night out it's very highly palatable processed food that is normally high salt and because you've expended a lot of liquid you you know <laughs> it's a, it's all a recipe for disaster Do you know what as well bill um we've spoke about this in like the context of performance and recovery and just like general health as well in regards to like mortality risks but another thing is like if we go into the context of people that are trying to change their body composition as well mm. so weight loss etc it's not something we really touched on but you know i think it is important to mention that you know in regards to weight loss you can totally fit alcohol into your diet but it is important for people to understand that in day alcohol you know does contain calories it's this whole new it's this whole own nutrient at the end of the day quite a lot in some cases you know, as well i do think though it can sabotage people in the sense that, you know, one thing can lead to another. And the thing is, when you're purposely trying to have the goal of fat loss, you know, where you are tr- where you need that motivation and willpower, let's be honest, because you do need willpower for it, it can be hard when, like, you're... If you can't control your drinking, let's say, you know. And it's not just the alcohol inherently sometimes, it's also what it leads to next, which is what you said about kebab and, mm. you know, I, I've, I have had clients like that where that has been their downfall, where they've let one thing lead to another consistently. And another thing I want to touch on is the the eating behaviour side of it, where we actually had Rini on, um, Rini McGregor on a few weeks ago, if you've if you, you know, if you've not heard that one, dietitian. And she was talking about how people compensate. So in this example, people during the week, for example, maybe the Friday, they might know on the Saturday they're going out for a beer and like, they're going out for a big session, or the Saturday during the day. And what they do is they they, they compensate by eating very little, or drinking very little during the week because they want to lower their calories for their weekly calories. And what this is doing is promoting a bad eating cycle of eating very little during the week and then smashing loads of calories on the weekend. We spoke about this before. If you're not fueling correctly for activity, you know, you're going to limit your performance. And only that, you're building unhealthy eating habits. Mm. You're saying it's okay. I mean, you're saying it's okay to not eat anything to make up for a big fucking binge, essentially. I mean, admittedly, I don't mind when people sensibly do what is essentially calorie cycling where you do kind of bank some calories for days where you do need to, you know, splurge a little bit, which I hadn't used that word actually. But it is problematic, I think, when people eat ultra fucking low on a consistent basis just so they can go completely rogue over the weekends. Yeah, I think, and I think in your context as well, like the calorie cycling thing, that's a bit different in terms of if they're if they're doing it for something like to drink loads of beer and eat kebabs, that's not very yeah. healthy, I don't think, because you're not really you're not having like a big meal out or something that's a bit more nutrient dense. You're basically saving these calories or something which is essentially empty. Yeah. But when it's almost seen as like, oh, you know, you're just like purposely starving yourself so that you can have that binge weekend. Keyword being binge, I think it is problematic. And yeah, it can lead to I'm not even gonna just say like unhealthy eating behaviours, but unhealthy behaviours in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all, all I'd say is that as well, Tom, is 
if you're doing it regularly enough, this is a problem itself. But if you're only doing it once in a blue moon, then just fucking enjoy yourself. Don't worry about it during the week. Don't worry about the day of. Go yeah, and enjoy exactly yourself. That. It's not going to impact your health or fitness journey in the grand scheme of things. Just fucking enjoy it. Don't get stressed about it. Because if you get stressed, you then carry that on to the next day, the days after, and you make even more bad choices because you're fucking stressed. I think it can also lead to like that all or nothing rule as well, where people mm. actually try and just throw in as much as they possibly can. Because it's like, actually, you know, I'm going to be restricting myself from Monday to Friday, possibly a Sunday. So, you know, I'm, I might as well get as much of this into me as I can as possible. And that goes with alcohol as well. You know, you know, I've behaved myself from Monday to Friday, so I'm going to go full send on the alcohol, mm. which, yeah, I wouldn't recommend. But do you know what? One thing is, I just want to say, like, if people do like to drink, and even if it is... So, look, me, personally, from the evidence I've seen, I would recommend people to stay under 100 grams per week, and I would encourage that. But I'm not going to morally judge people or guilt trip them or shame them by saying you go over 100 grams per week. At the end of the day, I do understand that at the end of the day, some people fucking have rough jobs or have rough lives. And, you know, I remember there was a quote that I saw that Alan Flanagan once shared and I really wish I could remember. It was like an author that said it or a politician, but it was basically to do with like how we can't expect the common worker to go home and be able to have that willpower that they can, you know, fucking eat carrots, you know, and not drink and have a healthy lifestyle. Some people, you know, go home and they, they need something. Do you know what I mean? Now, I'm not going to say, obviously, I'll be alcohol dependent, but just having like a little tipple every now and again, if that's the way you wind down, fair enough. But I would encourage you to, you know, try and stand to 100 grams and be sensible with it. But I'm not going to morally judge someone for having alcohol today. Guys, we'll move on to the, the final part of the show. Uh, and this is something we alluded to at the start when we discussed the polls, and that is talking about sports stars, you know, athletes, etc., and alcohol consumption. So I read out some polls earlier. I'll bring them up if I need to bring them up again. Um, and the reason I do bring this up and I think it's important to talk about it is that something recently was Jack Grealish, a professional footballer here in England, if you, uh, you know, you're know not aware. He was spotted basically getting on the session, so on a session this summer, off-season, bear in mind. You know, he wasn't just doing this, you know, during the... <laughs> the season um, it was afterwards they go they go away on tour and stuff he was getting on it basically and there's a lot of pictures of him with beers in his hand and all, all sorts um, and this led to some criticism naturally um, and it involved even one critic saying pro footballers should not be allowed to drink alcohol at all because we've got enough data to show how much it can impact recovery and performance so why are these highly paid top stars being able to have it um, we've already kind of touched on our points there it, it's an interesting one um, I think as someone did say was if it's if it's making if it's having an impact on their performance, then there should be a recourse. There should be it should be dealt with. And I, I I think most professional teams will have an eye on players' performance. And if they know it's having an impact, they will deal with it. It's as simple as that. I don't think they'll be allowed to just go rogue and drink whenever they want. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a job. Being an athlete, professional athlete, is a job. And if you was going to work, and alcohol was affecting your performance in any job that it became a concern, then yeah, I think there's, they've got to be right to be penalised for that. But saying, oh, they should not touch it at all, I think is a bit, that's a bit too much control. It's a bit there. dramatic, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think if we look back as well in the day, 
I mean, if you look at the old footballers of the past, fuck me, they used to they used to put it away, didn't they? There was like pictures of them getting smashed in the dressing rooms after a game, which is obviously you know detrimental for their overall recovery afterwards. And I mean, at the end of the day, footballers in general general aren't the most you know morally the, the, the pillar of morality. Let's just yeah, say of people to look up to. Um, there's some fucking terrible people out there, but you know most of them are footballers. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. I, I don't generally mean that. But major analysis by Tom. I, I do think like when you're in like a high profile role, like being a professional athlete, I think you also need to understand that you are also taking on the responsibility of you are in the spotlight, you know, and you are a role model, and you are representing your country as well. If you're playing na- uh, on a national team, you know, you're 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 playing for England. Let's just say. You know, you are a role model and you do have that responsibility of understanding that you are constantly on a platform for adults, for kids. I don't think it's, I just don't think it's ethical to, you know, be seen in an absolute shit state or get into an absolute shit state that you do something terrible. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of Tom as well. It's, the world the whole, see. it's like the whole thing of smoking, like, because obviously it's like so fucking unequivocally proven to be bad for you that you're not allowed to advertise yeah. it you're not allowed to advertise it people are very mindful about having it in big mainstream people who are like high up as you said they don't like to be seen with it to set an example because it's costing a lot of money yeah. it causes a lot of health issues it costs the NHS a lot of money the issue I think some people have like someone did say in our polls I was played devil's advocate was that alcohol is an issue and it is costing the mm. NHS a lot of money so it's like these people, if they're making it look cool, if you've got Jack Clarice as a kid looking up to think he looks cool drinking his beer of like whatever, is that a message you want to be sending like long term? Because yes, people say, oh, you should be able to have a drink whatever you want. Yeah, in moderation, it's fine. But the problem is we're a society of binge drinkers. Not when you know that you're in a place where the press are going to be snapping pictures of you in a pool yeah, of going vomit. And you're an influential person. You know the things that you say, the things that you do, people are going to look at that and go, oh, I want to fucking do that now. Uh, and if it's if it's causing harm, it's like oh fucking hell. Because at the end of the day, alcohol is not like it's nothing nutrient like it's not nutrient dense food. It's not like a fucking health food or anything, is it? It's, it's the opposite. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, it's, it's a hard. But I one do to understand for some people, it's a you know it's it's a part of their religion. It's a part of their social life. You know, it could be intrinsically linked to you know culture. Mm. You know, so I don't want to shame people from it. And I do understand that in day it can be an addictive substance as well. And I'm not going to be one of those people that say, oh, if you've got a problem with drinking as well, just stop drinking. I'm, I'm never going to say that. No, it's you very know. difficult, isn't it? And very I do understand that for some people that it's one of those things where they like to come home from work and just wind down with like a, a glass of wine. Or, you know, like Remembrance Day, I'll, I'll fucking have a shot of something on Remembrance Day. I'm not going to be one of those people that just inherently shames alcohol. Just, just reflecting on that conversation we had with Rory uh, last week about eating disorders, and I'm, I'm seeing some sort of, some similarities in terms of. I think yeah, it's good we shouldn't shame people. People who excessively drink, it's not you shouldn't just say don't drink more because once again it's like the eating disorder thing. The reason people drink a lot in excess is because of an underlying issue. The issue isn't because yeah. of the drink. Obviously, the drink is an addictive substance, but they're using that as a coping mechanism to deal with something else. It might have started off as a few drinks to calm down because they were stressed, but the next thing you know, because it's an addictive substance, they've been chasing more and more to that feel good. And the issue, would, the issue is not to take away the booze. The issue would be to deal with what started the booze in the first place, I think. So yeah, I don't think we should shame people who do it. I mean, it's a complex... Alcohol yeah. dependency is a complex issue, which mm-hmm. is well above my pay grade to properly approach. However, I do understand that it does require empathy. 
Another thing I, I put down in the notes here, Tom, I want to talk about is that is there's a fascination on like the human psyche almost because <laughs> I feel like I mentioned at the start was that people will happily listen to stuff and they will go, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, no problem. That sounds amazing until it directly affects them. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll do what I want my body, etc. I want an example I want to give as well is that there was a march. Now I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm for or against this, you know, I'm not stating my political stance on this, but there was a march thing for, you know, the refugees. Ukraine so going, to be, okay. going into people's homes and there was a lot of people yeah. marching saying yes we need to take them in we need to take them in and some reporters went round and asked these people uh, how many have you taken in are you taking one in a large majority of them, yeah. obviously they could be cherry picked a large majority of them went oh I don't, I don't have space oh, it's, it's not the right time for me and it was that mm. almost like well they're supporting it but then when it directly affects them it's like oh it's a bit different now, isn't it? So yeah. I've got a different. I've got a different viewpoint on it. Obviously, I don't know the context of it. I'm just trying to use that as an example. I'm not making any sort of political statement here. Yeah, I uh, know. I know what you mean. I do know. I, I do know what you mean, Bill. I I have a. I do have a term for this. Basically, practicing what you're preaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's quite a common thing. But it's for a lot of things like people who. Um, I remember there was that. There was a. I mean, it was getting memed all the time, but it was. I think it was Belgium. I believe it was Belgium where like, they their spokesperson for health was like a, it was an obese woman. Now I'm coming at this from a completely yes, neutral that, point yeah. of view. I'm not here to make fun. I'm not to, here to say it's okay, but I'm just telling you how it was. But basically, you know, it was a, a an obese woman who was basically the minister of health, and it kicked up a big fuss. Like, oh well, you should be practicing what you're preaching. Obviously, we now know from evidence that in daily there can be a weight neutral approach to health, and body weight doesn't always dictate your current health status at the time, although it does. Evidence does point that, you know, over time, being obese is going to increase your mortality rate. But, yeah, basically practicing what you preach. Um, you know, I mean, we doctors are health promoters, but you'll get doctors that drink. You will get doctors that drink. You have personal trainers who might be overweight. You might have sports coaches who train high-tier level athletes, but who, you know... <laughs> sit in chairs you know sit in those little fold out coach chairs that the sports teams have you know it's practicing what you preach um i it's complicated mm. it's complicated i don't think it's one of those things where you always have to practice what you preach i mean i can i can train someone to run a marathon but i can't fucking run a marathon mm. you know i could train someone to run a marathon yeah it's complex i mean if i try and strip this back and make it less complex okay i want to bring it a bit more to alcohol again was Another example I can give is that you'll get huge uproar from certain individuals when we look at things like chemically, artificially sweetened beverages, okay? So they'll be saying, oh, aspartame is fucking deadly for you. It's so bad. Yet they'll go ahead and smash, you know, outrageous amounts of alcohol on a weekend. But then if, yeah. you, tell, if you then tell them not to drink alcohol, ah. it's fucking Armageddon. It's like, oh, you can't tell me what to do. So, but then ironically, we know that sweeteners like aspartame are fine in normally consumed doses i mean there's an episode we did on it if you've not heard it it's on our um uh it's in this series is it bad for you so if you check it uh i think it was slash sweeteners chat shit get fit.com slash sweeteners so check it out but kind of like we- the abundance of uh you know fitness influencers that get coked up well, <laughs> this is no this is no what i mean mate. this is this is what i'm going back to about how people will happily like go go like go on stuff and say like oh i don't drink diet coke because it's fucking bad for you it's you know you're you're horrible for drinking that you're going to give your kids cancer but then yeah if you then say to them well but you drink loads of booze but that's 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 bad for you as well if you have loads of booze and they're like no you can't tell me what to do in my body you can't tell me what to put in my body it's like well 
Where, where, yeah. do, where, where are you standing on this? Like, where, what's the? <laughs> yeah. Do we or don't we have autonomy here? Yeah, exactly. So this is this is what I mean. This is this is the kind of the the, the fascination, as I said, of the human psyche. Is that yeah. Very complicated people. But I do have. think, like, if you're on a public platform where you know the spotlight is constantly on you, and that you are seen as like a role model, like an athlete, a professional athlete, I think it gets a bit more complicated there. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, it does get more complicated. I, I don't really have. All, I don't think we have all the answers for that. But I mean, the short answer to that question: Do we think they should have them? I mean, yeah, they can have some, but I think, as Tom said, they've just got to be. They should be mindful of their status. I think we'll, mm. we'll leave it there. I think we'll leave it there, Tom. I think we've we've covered that pretty yeah. well. I mean, conclusions really on that is moderation, as with most things. Is alcohol bad for you? Yeah. I mean, we never we said we'd never say anything is good or bad for you, but I mean, inherently, alcohol yeah. itself is not. You can't. You couldn't say it was good for you. Um, in any yeah. dose it doesn't this doesn't provide you anything meaningful by having any dose of it but it's not necessarily going to fuck you up if you have a little bit yeah i mean i do understand that it's heavily ingrained in, in our social life you know yeah you know because we live in a society we we live in i don't society. know if you're aware of that we, but we, we do we, live in a society we definitely do mm. but yeah you know it's it's ingrained within our culture our religion our family events like you know weddings etc it's sometimes it is nice when you haven't seen people in ages and you meet up for a drink yeah you know and then go cow tipping afterwards but saying that we do need to be somewhat sensible with it here i do recommend that people stay under 100 grams per week of alcohol try not to go over 100 grams per week of alcohol uh, just for health outcomes in regards to performance it looks like there's a little bit more leeway with that as long as once again you're being sensible mm. But at the end of the day, I'd rather focus on the actual health outcomes, which is why I'd say, yeah, just try and keep it under 100 grams of alcohol per day. And there are calculators out there where you can, because I'm saying, oh, 100 grams a day, and you might think, well, what the fuck is 100 grams a day? You know, it's a lot easier in the UK in the sense that we can utilise units to measure that, because per a unit of alcohol is 8 grams. Mm. You know, so it's easy for us to do it. But, you know, for those across the pond or down under or wherever else, feel free to just like google a calculator for that but just don't drink and drive for fuck's sake yeah that fuck. is such a dick yeah, thing, it's a fucking stupid yeah. thing to, yeah if you've got any more questions guys we've got anything to add on this episode because we're fully aware it's quite controversial so there's probably some of you now screaming at us through your fucking car speakers yeah. or whatever it is um get in touch you know we'll be happy to have some dialogue with it we're not you know we're not afraid to have conversations so yeah get in touch we will be forwarding on you know anyone that gets in touch with us to the atf though the atf yeah fuck's the atf what the fuck's the AT- Arms, tobacco, firearms. Oh, for fuck's sake. Ain't that what, what Hank was in Breaking Bad? Uh, it's been a pleasure which always, guys. Which brings us uh, nicely on to our, on next week's episode, which is, is it bad for you, meth? We'll, 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 see, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Mm. Is it bad for you, meth? <laughs> As always, thanks for listening. Now, while we did have a bit of fun with that episode, um, I mainly focused it on a more sports and performance uh, context. There is obviously a darker side to this conversation and I'm obviously being very careful of how I word this. I'm not an expert. But just remember, enjoy alcohol in moderation and just be very mindful that you don't go too far. And that's not just only from a personal point of view, that includes being mindful of friends and family as well. Because sometimes in you know all cases when it goes too far, these people aren't even aware of it because let's face it, if you choose not to be aware of a situation, it doesn't exist. So look out for each other enjoy alcohol moderation you know we're not saying do or don't do it but echo what i just said a second ago be mindful that you just don't go too far we will see you next week same time 
same place for a brand new episode. See you soon.